This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dress for success. Put on your tall hat and rubber gloves and long gray coat. Success requires this specific outfit. Good morning, Night Vale. Listeners, it is me, Meg Bashwinner, the person who's talking to you right now, who also plays the role of Deb, the polyamorous, sentient patch of haze on the show Welcome to Night Vale. <laughs> now I'm talking. It's me, Hal Loveland, who essays the role of Steve Carlsberg in the show Welcome to Night Vale. And hi, it's me now talking, Symphony, your favoritist teen militia leader, Tamika Flynn. And we are going to be talking about an episode of Welcome to Night Vale like we do every time. And why do we do it? Because we like it. And because we like you. Um, We are breaking this down painstakingly episode by episode. And it is great because we have a specific viewpoint because we are cast members. And today, April 8th, currently... In the year of our Spaghetti Monster 2021. Is episode 84. Pastime. Here's the description. As it originally appeared those many years ago. It's Little League Baseball season. Plus an update from Hiram, an important new health study, and another edition of Hey There, Cecil. Shall we talk about it? Let us. Yes, let us. So pastime, of course, refers to a basketball. Yes. I personally am not like a huge baseball person. I mean, it's cute and everything, but I prefer to, (laughs) like, I prefer to go, like, if I was going to watch baseball, I prefer to go to the field itself. That's more fun. Right. Right. Going to a baseball game. At a park, whether it's minor league, little league, all the way up to major leagues, yeah, is an experience in and of itself. It's a pastoral game. It's slow. You can turn and talk to one another, as opposed to other sports like uh, basketball, hockey, or even uh, both forms of football, where you kind of have to keep your eyes on what's going on in any given moment. Right. I, I will say for any sport out there, and I am a I am a sports fan, so I love it. I love sports. You're a sport. All different sports. That's right. The more you understand and learn the game, the more you enjoy, you get into sort of the strategy of it. Mm-hmm. Because any sport in and of itself seems super repetitive because they are. It's the same thing over and over again. Baseball, certainly people like that is the knock is that it's boring and it is a, it is certainly a slower <laughs> game. But the more you get into it, you realize, oh, this is a chess match and every, everything's the odds and calculations and strategy is constantly evolving. And 
it's I'm sure that it's no coincidence that this would have been when when did this initially release? This was March, uh, I believe March 15th, 2016. Yeah, so we're in spring training by then. Right now, in the actual time that we're recording this, we're at the close of opening week in baseball. Right. So. Yeah, lots of games have had their opening games. Yes. We're well into the season now. Is that well into the season, though? I mean, well I mean, into- most teams are like five, six games in. Oh, oh, I didn't know they were playing that many games a week. It's such a long season. I thought it was like, you play like two games a week. No, you play probably play five or six games a week. Dang, generally, that's a lot of games. I like that about the baseball the baseball schedule is that it is they do a ton of it, and then I also kind of like how they do it where they'll like go and travel to the a city and then play like you know a series of games there, and then the other person comes to their city and then they play a series of games there. So it's like they yeah they are in town for a little bit, which I think is cool. Yeah. Yes, one time. When the Philadelphia Phillies were in their their late 2000s, early 2010s heyday, mm-hmm. Jennifer and I drove down to San Diego for the weekend. I got tickets to all three games. And good San Diego, at the time, famously a terrible sports team with a fantastic, just one of the best parks in baseball. And I got really good seats for almost nothing. And it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I look fondly, I look back fondly on that weekend. Yeah. Um, can can I just ask uh, quickly the, what everyone re- actually wants to hear about? What is your favorite baseball food? For me, it's beer. You? It's a great baseball food. Um, okay. At AT&T Park in San Francisco, they have garlic fries that are incredible. Ooh. Really good garlic fries. Um, but Yum. yeah, and I will eat literally anything at a baseball stadium and will yeah. love it. I also, yeah, will also eat anything out of a plastic baseball hat shaped bowl, whether that is yes. ice cream, whether that is nachos, whether nachos. that is like Hell yeah. just a bowl of lukewarm broth. I will happily eat it <laughs> out of a plastic baseball hat because that's fun and I, we should be having fun. Here's just some bone broth in a, in a, Texas Rangers helmet. Yeah. <laughs> it's about half a cup of, like, of soup. I love a I love a helmet Sunday. I okay, absolutely yes. love a helmet Sunday. I don't care what stadium I go to because the ice cream is always of poor quality. And then you get the <laughs> chocolate syrup on it and the sprinkles. And that's beautiful. That's a wonderful thing. I like out here that the at Dodger Stadium, Dodger Dog is great. So are Philly's Franks. But if I'm if I'm at home, if I'm in Philadelphia. I want to get a cheesesteak when I'm at the game. Oh, they have it at the game? Yeah, they have. When when Citizens Bank uh, Park opened in 2004, they had a contract with D'Alessandro's, which is a really good steak place. Since then, they have Tony Luke's, which is not my favorite place. I don't don't think they use the right role. And Tony Luke, if you're listening, your food is fine. They're good sandwiches. They take a little bit too long. Compared to every other place where you go to get a cheesesteak, and and the roll is too chewy. But other than that, keep doing you. I enjoyed your episode of Man vs. Food. You've been so called I, out. <laughs> but you've been generally if I'm, any you plot me in any ballpark in America, and I want to get the hot dog because yeah. that feels like the quintessential experience. What I about agree. You, Meg? Yeah, I could, I could, I could grab a hot dog. Um, I'll grab a hot dog pretty much anywhere, though. Uh, I love I, hot dogs. 
I love a hot dog. I like to make them. Tonight actually was tonight was the opening season of Grill Grill Night in the Bachelor Fink household. Oh. So we didn't have hot oh. dogs. I made turkey burgers, but yeah, we opened up that grill, got her going. I love it. Love it. So yeah, we nice. make hot dogs a lot. We like to uh, go. I'll go and get because we live out in the country. So I'll go and get like some weird meat hot dogs, like some venison hot dogs. Or, oh, nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and they're delicious. So. Yeah, it's a, hot dogs are a great food. Yeah, uh, veggie dogs also great. Oh yes, yeah. of course. All dogs, all dogs are good. All dogs go to yeah. my see stomach, what I did there. You know, see what I did there. <laughs> all dogs go to my stomach. All dogs go to my stomach. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, since we're speaking about hot dogs, uh, mm. of course, let's talk about them carbs. Okay, mm-hmm. because you ate buns, do you have a lot of squirrels at your house now? Oh yeah. Asked what a, and answered. What a bizarre, <laughs> bizarre thing. I, you know, I look, I'm trying to segue to this section to talk about the actual show. To talk about um, the actual show? Sure. Sure. I know that's not what people come here for. They come here to listen to us, make our jokes, talk about yeah. food. But you know what? Food I'm here for the journalism. I'm well, here. This episode, there's a lot of great stuff to talk about. I, I yeah. love this episode. It kind of starts with like a, it kind of slow rolls into it and become, it's like, it starts with like, there's community calendar, there's Janice, there's Steve, where everyone's at the park, things are happening. And then it mm-hmm. becomes this two-hander between yeah. uh, Lucia and Cecil, although Cecil's playing both parts um, beautifully. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's just this creepy, weird it's story so that opens yeah. so many different doors about what's going on in Night Vale currently, what's mm-hmm. gone on in Night Vale in the past, um, what's gone on with Cecil in the past. He has no recollection of playing baseball, but Lucia remembers him playing baseball. So yeah, that's it. Really, like the this episode kind of starts out like, oh, this is just your normal episode, and then becomes like this very specific story, which I really enjoyed. I think Cecil did a wonderful job playing both parts and, and letting and telling it and letting it unfold with a, a, a normal, a pace that made sense for it. So. Absolutely. Can we talk about the Hey There Cecil segment? My fa- One of my favorite sections is, is, is a Hey yeah, There Cecil. So fun. Anytime. It's great. Uh, so fun. Um, first of all, the payment, the currency that that person was working with was null and void. Um, I could have told you that <laughs> from the jump, but I did like how patient Cecil was with answering that question, even though it was like totally ridiculous. And like any, most landlords would have, you know, kicked you out at that point. I mean, I pay my landlords with a check. Meg, you are the landlord. Well, uh- the bank is my landlord. The bank is the landlord, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's my bumper sticker too. I have that on my yes, truck. The bank is my landlord. They just the bank is my landlord. They take the money out of my account every month, and then eventually, I'm told in 25 years, I won't have to pay them anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> I pay mine online website. Oh, see, they will not accept checks. They don't want ca- checks or cash. They're like, give us. We created an, a web portal for you. Just go here and pay. Super easy. But that, I do it every month. That's so funny. I don't do the auto. So your your currency is actually what Cecil was talking about, um, just electronic, random electronic numbers. 
Yeah, I, right now I'm paying in non-fungible tokens. I did a okay. tweet of of SpongeBob farting on Patrick while flying to the moon, <laughs> and that made me three trillion dollars. So, you know, I'm just gonna live off that for a little while. I think totally, totally. Prior to this call, uh, prior to this recording, we were talking about like how our parents' generation has a little bit trouble with the internet sometimes, and right. uh, using the processes of the internet we wondered what we would struggle with um and i think it probably for me is probably cryptocurrency and non-fungible what's the t for the nft tokens (laughs) tokens thank you yeah see i can't even get that across look i just i just recently purchased recently like within the last year have started purchasing crypto currency like uh really? i have some ethereum i have some bitcoin and i was thinking about buying some doge but I, I don't know i was like this seems weird but i remember like years ago like two x's ago like one of his cousins was like you know cu- current cryptocurrency and i was like that's not a real thing like what are you talking about but it is and people make lots of money doing it i i don't get it but i, I like to tell people i'm really into crypto now <laughs> you just like be able to whip that out at a party. Yes. I, here's the here's the fun thing is none of it has any inherent value. It's all value we've assigned. An NFT, right. how as I understand it, would be like imagine if each dollar bill was completely individual, not just because of a serial number, but because it is an original piece of art that then is assigned value by what people are willing to pay for it in a bidding system. So Okay. Each each non-fungible token is completely unique or is at least a limited run from what I understand. And that the value, like, that's one where it feels like the market could fall, the bottom could fall out of this market at any second because we could wake up and realize there's no value or this is the new way of establishing wealth in some form. I, at some point, it's either going to become, like, commoditized where it doesn't have the same value it had when it was hot and new. Like, it just feels like... I don't know where this is. I don't know where this is headed, but it, but even if it replaces paper money or the money mm. system we use now, at some point that will necessitate that it have some standardized value to it. Yeah, it's always interesting to look at things like that because it's like I'm like, oh, is this just because millennials can't afford to buy houses? They want to be able to buy something that might have a value. Like it's the <laughs> like it's it's the thing that you can spend a lot of money on, but you can't eat it, you can't wear it, and you can't live in it, you can't drive it. Like it doesn't have right. there's no service of it to that it can do. So it is the same thing as like owning a stock or like that sort of I guess, like, like even with, like, a piece of artwork, you can at least look at it, whether it loses its right. value completely. If you like to look at it and you like to wake up to it on your wall every day, it has a value to you. But what are you going to do? Like, just yeah. open your phone and continue to look at that SpongeBob GIF? And is that, <laughs> is that, is that enough, right? Like, I mean, I would look at the one I described for a long time, but that's just me. <laughs> that's why I paid so much for it yeah. or sold it for so much. Sorry. Long story short, kids, money is not real, uh, so don't stress out about it. Yeah, don't just send it to it. me. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> don't burn yourself if you have money. Just if you bur- have a lot of money, don't burn send it to yourself. me. <laughs> don't Spend- burden yourself with something that is not real. I'll take it. Release your burden. Give us your money. Spend money on something you can use or something you enjoy. Yeah. So I can go be on Hometown, because I realized... 
We were talking also before we started recording about the show Hometown on HTTV, which I have fallen in love with 100%, <laughs> to the point where I'm like, maybe Jennifer and I should just move to Laurel, Mississippi, and and pay under $300,000 for an 1,800-square-foot home that gets completely modernized. But then I had a realization. The yeah. only way that that couple is going to work on my house is if I'm on the show, because that is not what either of them does for a living. <laughs> so, you win this time. HGTV, but I'll be back. Uh, speaking of being back, Lucia, wild. First of all, I love that story. I love how it played out. Can we talk about the train, that whole thing, her being a ghost? Did they say that before, that she was a ghost? I thought that they did. I think I, I'm trying to remember if they do mention that she's a, a ghost early on. We know that we're at the ha- haunted baseball diamond. Yeah. Um, yeah some ghost representation, but the story of how she found herself there is really interesting. Yeah. And the story of, yeah, of, and how, what that means for modern day, because she's like, these strangers, they're bad. And she's like, I've seen something that's like this before, but this is worse, which is, yeah, yeah which is interesting. And cause like, th- what could be worse than like people on a train who literally kill you. But the, mm-hmm. the, the thing that she's seeing with, is a similar evilness, but an evilness that is worse because there's nothing you can give them that will abate their evilness. Right. It it does end on a very scary note. And like, it's also scary because there's the juxtaposition of Janice and uh, Steve. They're like having fun doing like, lighthearted what would be family activities and Janice is so excited and like Cecil's hearing all this really scary fortuitous information and you know I was feeling my anxiety rise during this part especially and I think it definitely leads into the next episode quite well in that way and even Hiram yeah it's yeah the stakes are ratcheted up uh, the violet head who's like listen like this is this is bad oh Hyman's like let us out we can we can take care of these people uh but mm-hmm. also the the violet head stuff is like pretty sad i know <laughs> <laughs> it's really sad because he's like he's like you know what like he's taking back what he said he's just like you know what forget it like i we need to be together like one of us i don't know if they're being like intimidated into they're that or they feel lonely because they're 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 not really free, but their like head can poke out of the cell. Yeah. I don't know. It's all very sad. They're yeah, they're isolated from right. from themselves. Right, but they're Even, not really like on the inside they can still look like, I don't know. It's sad. To me it kind of read the like, well, you gotta you gotta go with the family you got, even if they're terrible. And I, I hate that. I hate that. That like that's all. That's all Violet has is just like this super toxic environment that they're they're stuck with, and that they're in such a dark place that their their ability to resist being a part of the badness is is, is withered away. And, right. And that, if that's not a staggering commentary about the prison industrial complex, I don't know what is. For real. For real. Um, yeah. And I, <laughs> I wrote down under Hyron, I was like, okay, Violet retracts his statements. They want to fight the strangers. And I was like, green, I, in all caps, I wrote, I am being literal. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, I, I lost it. That really sent me. 
because they, you know, they speak in very wild, flowery, it's still like violent and gory, like I will devour your soul type stuff. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, that's, they don't understand that I'm just, that's just the way he talks, not, they don't really mean it like that. Which is so funny. And then he says, "I like what they'll do to the strangers. And they're like, I am being literal. I was like, oh my God. I just like had to stop the episode. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> it's so good. What a great performance by, by Jackson as usual. Absolutely. He's so good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of gory things, the Dove ad. Beauty's so real. Just lungs on a white table in a white room. Like... So, I find that beautiful. That it again, is, but like out. in a no, it is beautiful because like there is something <laughs> inter- like the, a pretty like pretty pink organs just like sitting like in a pristine sort of environment. I of course that would be beautiful, but like in a not clinical way, in like a almost like clean like display way like uh, like as a look at a museum as if they were being displayed at a museum not like body works yeah 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 i mean millions of people saw that like things like that are interesting and strange and a little macabre but like it's visceral it is inside you and it's fascinating you're like so that's what it looks like you know i don't know i agree with you I think I know it's creepy, visceral so. and, and fascinating are two very good words to describe something like body works and this imagery here. But also, it all makes my genitals go inside <laughs> like a turtle, but like cartoonishly, like slamming a door behind them that says "close for business." Like <laughs> they're trying to fool this image into not coming back and haunting you in your dreams. Yeah. And- that's the thing is that the, we're in theory, we're very familiar with what a pair of lungs looks like. And we all own, a, well, at least one lung, probably um, yeah. at least some piece of a lung. So we, we have that experience, but when it is presented to you in this way, through this piece of writing, you learn something new, which is exciting, yeah. which is what is, what I love about art is that especially this type of art is that it can take something existing and sort of uh, every day. It's something that you don't think about and put it in a new perspective on a stark white table and teach you something new about your relationship to that uh, that set of lungs <laughs> and your relationship to beauty. Absolutely. Well, right. Yeah. And what you can possibly perceive as beautiful, even if it is like strange and like your eyes might not want to see it, but uh, it is beautiful because it is you. Isn't that what the Dove was out? Those Dove ads. I'm like, for a while, like for a while, I was like, hell yeah, there can be people with bodies that look different. That could be, we can call them beautiful. But then now I'm kind of like, do we have to value beauty so much? Like, there's just like we can. Can we all just be people and have the the way our bodies look not be on any sort of value scale? Like a scale, sure. Yeah, Yeah, just just like more more of a body neutral sort of position rather than anything. Just be like, your does your body do what you want it to do? Like, can you like, are you are you happy as a person? Like, I mean, whatever your body does doesn't actually complete your value as a person. Like, you are who you are, your personality, your um, how you're able to express yourself, how kind you are, the way you treat others, and isn't necessarily the parts that make you aesthetically attractive um, to people. 
Um, but personally, I do like it. I like, <laughs> I like it, but I do it for me. I put on makeup for me and just, and the internet. And I want you to be like, <laughs> which is also for you, right? Well, it is for me. I, maybe I look at my pictures and my videos more than anybody else. I'll tell you what. I know, I know. You I know, know you I do. do. I love it. <laughs> it's, it's one of the things I admire about you. I'm like, God, I'm like, let me just scare Truly. myself for a while. Well, yeah. Well, Stephanie, you and I have talked about this quite a bit because we're both yeah. like, you know, we're we're confident in our bodies, we're confident in our brains, we're we're yeah. confident confident business ladies. But you like, we, right. you know, we wear spanks and put on a ton of makeup and tight dresses yeah. to go on stage because that's like that is how we feel that we can be most comfortable in front of an audience. Yeah, that's the way I feel the most confident. Doing that specific show. I mean, for different right. shows, we have different looks and different things that we do. Absolutely. Where, like, like what I'm doing in the future show, I, I, I have a different. Don't look you wear than like bibs? <laughs> oh no, you have overalls. a skirt. Yeah, I overalls. Sometimes. I have skirts, uh, but yeah, for when I'm like, because it's a more physical show and it's a very right. messy show. Like for Night Vale, like I'm in an evening gown. Like that's. The, that right. is the the dress code for for me on that stage, but if I'm on like a you know a crusty black box stage where I'm going to get covered in jello and eggshells and uh, someone's going to spit <laughs> on me, I'm probably going to wear some jeans. So uh, right, but, uh, smart, but yeah. So so yeah, there is that there is that thing where it's like, what is this definition of beauty, and what does it mean to have to carry that beauty? Anyway, lungs. Yeah, but yeah. So a uh, uh, long story short. Uh, beauty is in the eye of y- you, um, and don't worry about it. And also, it's okay to be a creep. Yeah, was- uh, but, you know, <laughs> but, but you know what? It's not okay to be a friggin' stranger. Those those people, okay, not they they were described as not human, mm-hmm. evil. Yes, you know all sorts of bad things. And then this dog, um, they were like, oh, the dog is. Um, they're like, should I pet the dog? I'm like, don't pet the dog. Don't pet the dog. And the dog comes with the evil strangers, right? Yes. Yeah. We think. Whatever. He's around at the same time. And I don't like it. I don't like any of it. So I I say heed uh Lucia's words. Stay we need to get rid of them. And I say let Hiram out of the jail. Well, also, don't forget that during Hey Cecil, we have the person who writes in who's encountered these strangers and oh yeah, and went and approached the dog. So that right. thread is pulled through. Really, like this, the the story, the momentum of the story is woven into every section of of this of this episode. And there are a lot of great, yeah, smaller detail. Like for me, as the guy who plays. Steve, it's nice to hear like a couple details about that relationship and seeing like that stuff I can use and have used. You can start seeing a shift. There's a shift in their relationship for for sure of of between Cecil and Steve. We had been seeing it on stage in the live shows, but like I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit to that like as we're seeing it in the podcast episodes. I I think there's an important detail in there of of Steve and Janice playing catch, which is that, like, you know that fundamentally Steve is a good dad because he threw Kevin through the old oak doors 
you know, he was protective of his daughter. Right. Being protective of your daughter and being a good dad are two very different things. So having that connection where you go, like you're taking at, you're actively participating in, in your child's interest in athletics and you're playing catch with them. And that's something that the two of you have together. That there's a bond there beyond like, I want her to see the, the arrows and the dotted lines and the circles to like, we play catch together and that's our time to bond. And that's Steve was already, it was already noted that Steve is a sports fan. Like yes. in a few episodes, like a while ago, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because I think Cecil was over there when, like, there was a game or something on, and, like, he was, uh, he was like, annoyed at the whole thing that Steve was, like, watching the game or something. Mm-hmm. Whatever he was prattling on about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do love that, like, Steve is so involved with her and, like, is doing all these activities. You know, it's so cute. It's very cute because, like, she's pre preteen ish, teenage, early teens. She's twelve. Isn't she's she? middle school. Yeah. So. Okay. So, yeah, so she, yeah, at that age, they might not be wanting to hang out with their stepdad. You know what I mean? Yeah, depends on the relationship. Again, like, but it's cool that they yeah. have it. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. They have a nice bond. And I think I always think it's it's nice that to see Steve as like kind of an all-in step parent where he's mm-hmm. just like, This is yeah, you're my kid. We're doing this. Like we're gonna uh, it's we do the baseball thing and we do the this and like this is just yeah, I'm, I'm, is not afraid or reticent or like have it have any like, well, is this my place? Is this like no, it's like well, this is we're here and we're doing this and and Janice seems on completely on board with it. And that's it's pretty cool that they have this nice step parent child relationship and and Cecil yeah. is like there and Cecil's like supportive of it too it's like you're just having a nice day with your stepdad and your uncle at tryouts and you're feeling supported I love it if I had a stepdad I would want him to be like Steve Carlsberg yeah but I don't you know he's the platonic <laughs> ideal stepdad yeah yes. right yeah I love it my dad was always very good with I'm not, it was never really an athletic child, um, but he always, yeah, he, he played catch with us, but also like he, he took us ice skating a lot because that was, mm-hmm. my dad's a pretty super solid ice skater. And so he would take us ice skating. He would take me horseback riding. We would go hiking. So he was like, he, he, he was there for the Wait, the Jack stuff. is a good ice skater? Jack is like an incredible ice skater. Shut up. Yeah. What the? I thought I knew everything about Jack. Uh, I thought I knew. Skater, you don't know like, Jack. Yeah, he's, a, he's like <laughs> ho- a hockey skater, but like, but like, great. Not like, like, could really like, move on the ice backwards, forwards, like, uh, like toe pick. What's that movie? Oh my god, the Cutting Edge. Cutting Edge. Oh my god, Cutting Edge. Yes, he's the Cutting Edge. Yeah, he's an incredible skater. Like, re- like, I can love really this. move around the ice. Very, yeah. Hey, Jack, if you're listening, I want you to take me uh, ice skating, Dad. I want to go, too, please. Yeah. Dad, can we go ice skating, Dad? <laughs> um, but it's, like, one of the, like, 
my dad's a pretty impressive dude. And like everyone, yeah. you know, like, but, but like, I am, I have to say, I'm very impressed to watch him ice skate. <laughs> a, couple, a couple years, a couple years back, we went ice skating. We were in like Placid and we were skating around and I was like, it had been a while since we went skating. So it was like a little wobbly. Yeah. And he was like, just like cutting the rink up. And there was like a little girl that was like, wow, mister, you're real good at skating. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Uh, oh, I yeah. love it. Oh, Jackie many Bash. Many talents, Jackie Bash. Um, but yeah, but yeah, he's, he's very like for, for having a a non athletic child. He definitely encouraged my my sister is way more athletic than I, but uh, he encouraged us and made us feel good on the out there in the athletics. That's so nice. Nice. Um, so do we want to talk a little bit about Lucia's experience of dying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. Was that like, okay. It made me think of when it was like the story about you story about them. Yeah. Something like that. And it was the, with the boxes and then they like were out in the desert and then like the one guy like stabbed, I guess the guy, yeah, with a knife. It was a knife, right? And then he saw the planets and stuff, and I was like, what? Like, I was kind of screeching in my apartment at that point. My neighbors think I'm nuts. Um, <laughs> but that was wild. I mean, right? It's like planets and stuff. I And I that makes me think of this horrible dream that I have. It's a recurring one where I wake up, and I'm in my old house, like my parents' house, and I go downstairs and I open the door, the front door, and I can see planets that are like as big, like huge in the sky. Like I can see them; they're very, very close. And the sky is like purple and pink and stuff. And it makes me think of that. What the dark planets. is that? A lot? Right, dark planets. I'm How a long have you been having that nightmare for? I've yeah. been having that nightmare since I was like twenty. 18, 20, something like that. And what do you think mm. it means? So three years. <laughs> uh, thank you. I'm very young. I'm just turning 21. Um, I don't know why <laughs> I put on that voice to be 21. Like That doesn't matter. I've had this voice for since I was 12. Um, uh, I don't know what it means. I feel like it's always at a time of like stress for me. So... I, I don't know if it's just like I feel like the worlds are colliding type thing or maybe I was foretelling something with my sage-like wisdom. Interesting. Very I don't interesting. Know. One day we'll find out. Maybe I'll write down my Nostradamus-like predictions. And we'll just and we'll wait see. it out. Yeah. 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 Think of how many History Channel documentaries will be made about you. Symphodomus. Her name was Symphony Sanders. <laughs> and through her dreams, she predicted our future. But what was correct and what is yet to come? Tonight on History Channel, Inside Symphony's Mind. Oh, that's really good. You're Every hired. Nostradamus special is like, he was wrong about everything, but here are some things he predicted that we think are kind of close to things that actually happened. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so Lu uh, Lucia had that crazy thing happen when she died, but she seems so nonchalant about it now. She's had some time. 
Yeah. I guess once you like leave your corporeal self, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right? And now she's she sort of found her calling as a baseball coach. She's really now doing it. Now the kids it. aren't afraid of her anymore. She's very helpful. Well, she's good at what she does, you know? Yeah. How did she not wait? Because like, I don't know why I thought that the, because the train was baseball. A thing. It must have been a thing because she knows about it. I mean, baseball's been around since the mid to late 19th century. Invented and by. And generally like 1850s, I think. 1850s 18 to, to 1876. But really they were playing baseball during the Civil War or a variation of it. Okay. Well, and trains, but trains weren't around. Oh, okay. And then trains didn't come until later than that. Right? No, trains were, no, trains, trains were out for a bit. Yeah. I don't know. The Transcontinental Railroad was later in the 19th century. Okay, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. The one that goes all the way across. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, but Night Vale is, because they stopped at Night Vale. We also don't know. Time works differently in Night Vale, right? Right. Right. I know. That's why I'm like, I don't know. Because like, because when did they figure out? Okay, so, I mean, but it could have been anywhere also <laughs> in the development of the town because, like, the town was also, like, started by those people with the meat crowns. They were, like, nomad-type people, right? Mm-hmm. The, the soft meat crowns. So right. there could have just been people, you know, because they said it was just a field before with, like, I don't who knows? It, could, it also could have been a different <laughs> universe. Think about what you're doing right now, Symphony. You're trying to build a cogent timeline for Night Vale, the, the town. I'm spiraling. I shouldn't do this. What am I, what am I doing? You are spiraling. Don't do this here. <laughs> Don't do I, it. I'm fine to listen to it. I find it, it. I find it entertaining, but I, for your own sanity. Yeah. Just imagine uh, that meme of... Uh, that lady where she's looking like really confused and there's all those like equations. Winona Ryder. Yeah. With the equations popping up. That's not Winona Ryder. Yeah. The Winona Ryder looking real confused and then all the questions and stuff. Is that one? There's that where her, there's that meme, but it is also the same meme as the lady with the, yeah, with the, all the equations going on in the background. Yeah. I can't, I was like, I, it looks like the lady who's Kira Cedric married to Kevin Bacon. Yes. It kind of looks like her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow, I just pulled that right out of my head. Wow. <laughs> You're also the Charlie Day meme where he's got the yeah. like map and the, on the board. <laughs> Sorry, I'll make, <laughs> yeah. a, I'll make a meme. We can make a meme of it for this episode. Yeah, it yeah that's what we'll do. That's what we'll post on our Facebook. By the way, I look at our Facebook page a lot and, and our Twitter and stuff. So feel free to interact because I'm there. We're there. Like, I'm looking at, if you have something to say, I'm going to, click like it or I'm going to click on it. So I'd like some interaction because I want to talk to you. So if you've well, got answer your questions. some stuff, yeah. If you've got some stuff to say, I, I know cool people aren't on Facebook anymore, but Twitter, Twitter is cool, right? We should get a TikTok. We should do a TikTok. Yeah. Let's TikTok. Get <laughs> let's get on it. <laughs> All right. Up next, we hear from fans and friends of the podcast, but first, a conversation about this episode's weather, which was The River, The Woods, by Astronautilus. Uh, it made me think of that this would have been a great uh, song for the montage of Lu- Lucia. Why can't I say her name right? Uh, Lucia. Lucia. Her like whole story. I thought it would have been an amazing 
background for that story. Like in my brain, I was imagining, like I was going over, maybe I was just so struck by also the story that it just made me think of that, but like placed over this. It was very like driving. Like it it was like the montage of a movie where action stuff is happening. Right. That's what I thought. It was fun. And the hip hop. So that was good. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, off of the uh, Astronauts is a Brooklyn-based alt hip hop artist. This is off the 2011 album. This is our science, um, and I would be remiss not to mention the scandal. Uh oh, it's another Ruh-roh. one of those. Me too. Um, no, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, so uh, in 2020 there were some allegations made against Astronautilus regarding his behavior towards uh, people he had been in relationships previous with, as well as some other people. There was a online apology, you know, just the standard online apology where you fill your notes app and you hang your, put your hat in your hands and you say that you, you have effed up. So that was the last we heard from Astronautilus. Um, but, uh, that's where we are at. When was that? That was in June of 2020. June 2020. Dang. It was a very revealing year. Let's be honest. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> well, I didn't like your song anyway, so bye. Yeah. No, that just means kidding. less I'm just time kidding. talking about it was, the weather. It was fine. No, it was fine. <laughs> good, good, Damn it. Good weathering. Why does that make me upset? Because it it's should upsetting. make me upset. <sighs> it's upsetting. It's so disappointing. We have, uh, over the years, come across a number of these uh, people as the weather. And this is not to hate on men, but it's never been a non-binary person. It's never been a trans person. It's never been a woman who we've had to have this, have this conversation about. That's all I'm saying. Weird. That's all I'm saying. So weird. <laughs> not all men, Meg. Not all men. Not yeah. all men. Yeah. But- Hashtag not all men. It's almost like the structure <laughs> of our very society has benefited white men and given them a sense of entitlement and power that they should not have and have summarily abused. What? How? That is discriminatory. How dare you say Let me explain to you what like it that. means. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's unfortunate. But you know what? Um... It was great. It was... It was... I liked it. But I'm sad that that had to happen, um in that person's life. So, yeah, I like, I like the song. I think that the, by the merits of the song, I think it's a good, that's a good song. Yeah. Song's fine. You know, you know where there's never a me too movement, but only a meat to <laughs> movement where you get two kinds of meats. Oh yes. That's the fan zone cow zone. <laughs> oh, that's a calzone. Get your pork and your beef. We're in the fan zone calzone. Oh, I say pork. I almost made an order today. Uh-oh. As we all know, Saturdays are my cheat day. Yeah. And I will order my food in advance. Sometimes I'll get the hankering on like a Wednesday or Thursday and go, it's a pizza weekend. And then I will order the pizza then to be delivered. Today, I almost pulled the trigger on Chinese food. But I think I'm going to wait only because I'm not sure. I'm going to one of my best friend's homes to drop something off outside for for him and to see him from a distance, even <laughs> yeah. though I'm half vaccinated and he's full vaccinated. Yeah. Just to, uh, I don't want the timing to be off so that the food is cold when I get home. So I will order it. 
Don't worry, Chinese food restaurant in Los Angeles. I will still order food from you. I know I've been keeping you afloat during this pandemic. <laughs> and I, you're, my support will not waver, but I have to time it out. I don't know why I mentioned that, because you said pork. This is your fault, Meg. What's our first letter? Stay right there. Good Morning Night Vale will return after a brief break. We are reached out to by Katie from Gen Z, uh, following up about episode uh, 82, Skating Rink. So Katie decided to write to us as a representative from the the Gen Z generation. We always want to make a space for them in this podcast because we love them and we're fascinated by them and there's so much we can learn. Anyway, this is from Katie. Hello, Hal Symphony and Meg. Gen Z are here. I'm 17, and your questions about my generation's relationship with roller skating rinks were very entertaining. I can Uh confirm that going to skating rinks probably isn't as popular as in the 80s, but growing up, nearly every birthday party was at our local skating rink, and we Uh greatly enjoyed skating in circles in the same direction and occasionally in the opposite direction. It's less common when you hit the teen years, but my boyfriend and I did go on a date to a skating rink just a couple weeks ago. And let me tell you, kissing immediately after making fun of the person you love for falling on their ass is truly romantic. Also, Jeffrey, it is heresy to not like the song Dancing Queen. That song is the one reason I was excited to turn 17, to become the Dancing Queen. Young and sweet, only 17. Hope this satisfies your curiosity. Love the show, Katie. Katie, thank you so much for writing in, and thank you so much for keeping us uh, at the beat uh, with our your, our fingers on the pulse, the beat of the Gen Zs and their relationship to skating. Katie, 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 listen, you got a new job. I know that you're probably a student. You may be looking at college. Maybe you're looking to go to the workforce. Maybe you're going to do AmeriCorps. I don't know your life, but I do know this. <laughs> That the three of us who are very much not Gen Z will need a Gen Z correspondent to write in and let us know yeah. where Gen Z stands on things when we call for it. And Katie, I think that's you. I think you've become that person. Will you accept this rose? Will you accept this rose? <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to hashtag it? All right. 17 well, yeah. years old. So, Katie, yeah, we are asking you to be our Gen Z correspondent. Um, hopefully they accept. Fingers crossed. What a sweetie. You know, I could be Katie's parent, and no one would say that I seemed like I was very young when I had them. Like when, or when yeah. my wife had them. That, like, it'd be like, that would be the appropriate age to have a 17-year-old child. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to move on. Same. Before I start to stare into the middle distance, this is from Patrick, <laughs> who wrote in saying, I wanted to ask you a food-related question. And let's all let's all address this, and then we'll pick it up. Have any of you creepy critters... <laughs> I feel like that's like... Patrick, are you a morning drive DJ? Hey, all you creepy critters out there. We're going to check weather and traffic on the fives. But until then, creepy critters, we got a question for you. <laughs> Have any of you ever eaten a cicada? Girl, what? No. Not Is that the only question? Yeah, same. Oh. Never. No. I would never. 
They're disgusting no, and you. so stupid. They fly around. Not for me. They're coming back, though. They're coming back. We have to explain COVID to them. A super one is coming back. <laughs> oh, super yeah, sure. Everything's different Kyle? since the last time you were here. Um, it's been a big yeah. 17 years. They're going to be like, what, is all, what are all these masks on the ground? Yeah. <laughs> That's the new condom in the street is a mask on the ground. It's true. Patrick goes on to say, thanks for all you do to keep the rest of us laughing, smiling, and otherwise getting through the days. Patrick. P.S. Hal, if you still have my book shreds, throw them into a flower pot or something. They're great (laughs) for your vermiculture and ought to break down before winter. That's a big, uh, that's a big 10-4. Wait, copy that. uh, Eastbound and down. (laughs) (laughs) So you do still have his book shreds. You got it. Because you've been trying to. Can I? Can I? All right. Patrick is going to be honest, and I'm going to gloss past this. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember. I'm sorry. Wait, you don't remember? He, he was like, this I was missing, like, I'm missing my books. <laughs> it wait, was like, episode- remind me. No, I, it's a pandemic, girl. What, wait, what happened two episodes ago? <laughs> wait, he said, What did I do? He, he threatened Patrick. <laughs> you said that you had his book and that you he had to respond within half an hour. Otherwise, you were going to shred up his book. <laughs> Oh, that thing? Yes! You threatened him, and he wrote back. <laughs> Listen to me, Patrick. This isn't over. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reassemble your book, and I'm going to make more of those books and send them to you until the very weight of all those books collapses your shelf. You have 10 minutes. He was very nice about it and was like, you can do anything you want with those shreds. I know. And I don't know how to deal with to that. choose violence. I do remember every day I wake up and I choose violence. Every day I wake up, I look in the mirror, and I say, someone's cruising for a bruising. Oh. Because that's the one thing everybody knows about me is that I am a harbinger of terrible violence. Mm-hmm. And are these the socks I took? Yep, I took these socks off. I'm going to show you something. Uh-oh. These were sitting on my desk. I was like, my feet are cold. Look at this. Is that a hole? See that? It's That's worn no down. good. It's, all, it's about to be a hole. There, now it's a hole. Goodbye, sock. Well, You wh- don't win this round. While you darn your sock, I'm going to read this next uh, letter. This is from Josh. Josh writes, hello, Meg, Symphony, and Hal. I was just... <laughs> <laughs> you just read that like... Hello, Newman. <laughs> Hello, Jerry. Ooh, maybe that's Sorry. how Josh talks. That's how Josh it talks for this one. Says, uh, Josh says, I was just listening to your episode about the traveler when you mentioned that you think that uh, there is some sort of greater force, which we haven't met yet, that is shifting around Nightvale and controlling all sorts of things in it, like the layout of the town. This immediately made me think of the dark planet that first appears in A Story About You. To me, this seems like the most mysterious narrative thread in Night Vale. And I have the impression that this planet may one day act as an ultimate antagonist in the podcast, especially considering how closely it is associated with the various characters' deaths, along with the fact that all of the stories about pronoun here seem to be setting the stage for something larger than anything we've seen in the podcast before. So my personal theory is that the dark planet is the ultimate evil force responsible for much of the chaos and destruction in Night Vale. I also think that the people in the stories about pronoun here are 
shipping the crates with the tiny homes and recently in a story about us, the corpse flowers, um, are servants of this dark entity working to bring about some sort of cataclysmic event that threatens the entirety of Night Vale across all dimensions. I don't have a ton of evidence to back this up besides <laughs> the dark planet being super ominous and closely tied to the death and the stories about. Um, but I still thought it was a theory that you might enjoy hearing about. I hope you have a nice day and I look forward to listening to more of your delightful podcast. Josh Fix. Hey, Josh, <laughs> thanks so much for writing in. And I don't know if any of that is true, but hey, I think it totally could be because it is pretty ominous. And like my dream foretold, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think the Dark Planet stuff, especially in, in context of this episode, I think it's just shows really shows off the, the writing of Jeffrey and Joseph where they were like, okay, so we want to have Lucia be a ghost. We want to have her die. How do we write her dying? And then it right. pulls it in to just, it just brings back this story thread that has been kind of on a shelf for a bit and just pulls it back down into it. And it, it just, it's just so powerful and just a really good use of, having that card in, in your hand and then knowing when to play it. Um, and it's just, it's cause you're totally not suspecting it at all. And then it's played and you're like, Oh, this is so scary and it's bigger. And yes. that's why I'm scared of it. And yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Josh. I was definitely feeling the smallness, which is where a lot of that fear comes from. I think, you know, like when the universe is involved and there's planetary sort of elements, what can you do about that? You ain't uh, Bruce Willie in Armageddon. <laughs> Be Will. <laughs> Be Will. You don't know. You can't do nothing. Uh, and just like most of us, we can't do nothing about it. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us this week. Next time, we will be exploring the April monologues. So excited to do that. Uh, if you haven't already, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. And as always, babes, good morning, Nightvale. Good morning. Good Morning Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Hal Lublin, and Meg Bashwiner. It is edited and mixed by Vincent Cachione. It is produced by Meg Bashwiner. Theme music by Disparition. Special thanks to our fans who submitted their thoughts this week. Leave us a voicemail at 929-277-2050 or email us at info at goodmorningnightvale.com to share your theories and ask questions or to tell me that you have pre-ordered my new book, The First 10 Years, which comes out May 11th and is available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Well, maybe not wherever books are sold. But if you send me an email and let me know that you've pre-ordered, you'll receive a heartfelt and thankful response. This show is powered by our patrons like Ashley Stern, Essie Michaela, LaShonda Hill, Shannon McGurk, and Shadow Side. If you are interested in supporting this show in exchange for lots of fun, exclusive, insider, hyper cool kid content, check us out at patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. 
For more info on this show, go to goodmorningnightvale.com and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Nightvale Chat. Special thanks to Joella Knapp, Jeffrey Craner, and Joseph Fink. Today's adverb is celebratorily. Today is Joseph Fink's birthday. Please honor him by celebratorily listening to a podcast while eating chicken or berries or Cool Ranch Doritos. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Craner, and I wanted to tell you about one of my other podcasts, Random Number Generator Horror Podcast Number 9. So the thing is, my friend Cecil Baldwin, the voice of Night Vale, loves horror movies, and he's helping make the genre more approachable for me, and hopefully for you too, one film at a time, in a random order. Are you squeamish about horror movies? Look, I get it, and no worries. Just listen in, and we'll tell you everything that happens. But do you love horror movies? Well, that's great too. Watch along with us each week. We've got nearly 200 episodes covering everything from The Shining to Leprechaun 4 in Space. I'm serious, we go in a random order. So check out Random Horror 9 wherever you get podcasts.